MSW Media. Let's Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, May 20th, 2021. Today, the New York Attorney General has confirmed that her civil investigation into the Trump Organization now has a criminal flavor. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell reversed course and is now against the Insurrection Commission. Experts say DeSantis cannot stop an extradition of Trump to New York. Merrick Garland's Justice Department has withdrawn a subpoena against the Twitter parody account Devin Nunes' mom. Three Republican lawmakers are fined for defying the House mask rules, and a Michigan judge dismissed a recount lawsuit. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Oh my gosh, this is the best, biggest, best news I've Ever. had in months. I almost don't want to discuss anything. I don't want to talk about anything. I just <laughs> want to get right into this. Like, let's cut through the bullshit. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Later on, I'm going to have a uh, White House reporter, uh, congressional reporter, Andrew Feinberg on. I've been trying to get him on the show forever. He used to be in the press pool that had to do the press conferences with the former guy. Oh, bless him. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, what we're going to. This is such a huge story. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So big, big, big lead story of the day. Tish James, you know, attorney general in New York, has expanded her civil investigation into the Trump organization to include criminal elements. And she's teaming up with Cy Vance, uh, which means she's teaming up with Pomerantz, who is a former U.S. attorney that Cy Vance has hired Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the Manhattan DA's office. He was expected and has been expected to decide whether or not to file charges in this case before he leaves office, which is the end of this year. There's an election for a new DA and he will be retiring, which also kind of says a lot about this particular case. But, you know, because that kind of takes away uh, this is a political element to it. Right. You just want to be reelected, you know, and he's brought in Pomerantz. He hired the forensics team that Mueller used to come in and go through all the Mazar's documents, which he just got. Interesting timeline, right? So so good. So good. It's delicious. He gets the Mazar's documents, hires a forensics team to go through them. A month or two later, uh-oh, Oopsie. New York Attorney General wants in on this action. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the mechanics of that. But this is humongous because she would not make this a criminal case unless she had evidence. And just judging by the former guy's response is... I just wish we had a Mary Cam. I wish we had a Mary Trump Cam. So when this when this news broke, we could have seen her face. It would have been priceless. I can't wait to talk to her about it, as a matter of fact. Uh, I know she's picked, uh, finishing that uh, her next book, which I'm so excited about. Anyway, so... In a related story, we're going to talk more about that with Andrew Feinberg later, but in a related story, Palm, this is a quote, Palm Beach County State Attorney Dave Ehrenberg said Governor Ron DeSantis cannot unilaterally block former President Donald Trump from being extradited to New York if he's indicted on criminal charges, but said there's room for delay. He responded Sunday on CNN Newsroom to rampant speculation that officials in Florida County are grappling with the possibility of Trump being indicted by Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance, who is looking into the Trump Organization for possible bank tax and insurance fraud and probably other things. Now, Steve Vladek, who is a self-proclaimed SCOTUS nerd, and, and he's been on the show several times to discuss all kinds of legal issues, the University of Texas Law School professor, MSNBC opinion columnist, he noted the other day 
There's an obscure provision in Florida law that allows DeSantis, upon receiving an extradition from another state, to investigate whether the person ought to be surrendered, which has led to some speculation that Florida's Republican governor could play hero with the former president by dragging his feet in the event of an indictment. But in an MSNBC op-ed, Vladek explains the legal reality is decidedly to the contrary. If Trump is indicted in New York, both the U.S. Constitution and the federal statute dating to 1793 <laughs> require DeSantis or the governor of whatever state Trump is in at the time to hand him over. And if DeSantis refuses, a 1987 Supreme Court decision makes it clear in black and white that federal courts can order him to comply. Unlike in cases of international extradition, where treaties often leave significant room for political and diplomatic machinations and maneuvering, the law of interstate extradition is clear and straightforward. Also, I can't believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> I know. It's fantastic. You know he's shitting in his adult diaper. He has to be. He is. He wrote like a 16-page thing like, witch hunt, going after me. They just want to make it hard for me to run for office. He didn't deny any of it. Nope. Never does. Uh, all right, AG, this next story actually makes me laugh because it's just <laughs> absurd. But anyway, it had to happen. The Justice Department has withdrawn a subpoena filed in the final weeks of the former guy's administration that sought information about a Twitter user who parodied Rep. Devin Nunes, according to court documents released Tuesday. So the California Republican has spent years seeking to unmask such anonymous users and sue them for defamation. You remember the cow and all that? <laughs> it makes me giggle. So court papers unsealed Monday in Washington revealed that Twitter was seeking to squash the Justice Department subpoena for information related to the user of an account at Nunes Alt that pokes fun at Nunes. The social media giant argued that it believed the Justice Department might have been trying to help Nunes in his long running campaign to learn the identities of such users so he could sue them. So the chief U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell ordered the Justice Department to make public by Wednesday its response to Twitter's motion, which has been filed under a seal on March 10th. Now, the docket and filings did not indicate that the Justice Department had withdrawn the subpoena, which was issued in November when the department was overseen by the former guy's attorney general, William Barr. So the Justice Department on Tuesday afternoon (laughs) complied with Howell's directive, making public court papers it filed under seal on March 19th, that urged the judge to reject Twitter's motion because it was moot. Prosecutors had informed the social media company two days earlier that it had withdrawn the subpoena. (laughs) So you don't get to find out who's behind these accounts, Devin Nunes. That's the way this works. So congrats to Devin Nunes' mom uh, on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is just fantastic. And, you know, I hope that this Justice Department is more than just withdrawing dumb subpoenas. I hope they actually go after the criminals. We'll see what happens. I think we'll know as soon as Monday. Speaking of criminals. (laughs) Oh, mm, yeah. Turtle Dick Mitch back in the news. He is now opposing the hard-fought bipartisan insurrection commission and his opposition to a bipartisan proposal to this is to independently investigate the insurrection. It's turning GOP senators against the bill. He's going around trying to get senators not to vote for the bill. This This is killing the bill. This is killing... It will kill the bill. McCarthy doing it in the House doesn't matter. They, it passed the House. The Senate, we need 60 votes. And with, if Mitch isn't on board, I don't think it'll pass. We'll see, but I doubt it. Uh, Senate Minority Leader informed Republicans on Wednesday he is opposed to the commission that would probe the insurrection as envisioned by the House. And in the wake of McConnell's remarks, Senator Mike Rounds, a Republican from South Dakota who had expressed support for it on Tuesday, 
said he could no longer back it in its current form, even though its form didn't change. <laughs> it actually got weakened. Democrats weakened yeah. this bill because they mm. thought they were going to get bipartisan support and they got fucked again on it. Like, we, yep. they've got to stop doing that. Yeah, we should know better. McConnell has signaled on Tuesday he was undecided, but came down more firmly after another day of deliberations, explained his views in a Wednesday floor speech. Kentucky Republican called the House proposal slanted and unbalanced, even though it's five Democrats and five Republicans, and said the ongoing congressional investigations are sufficient to probe the riot at the Capitol. They are not. He said it's not at all clear what new facts or additional investigations, yet another commission would lay on top of the existing efforts by law enforcement and Congress. Uh, why? Like, there were investigations by Congress into 9-11, but we had a 9-11 commission on top of that. We had 10 Benghazi investigations. Yeah. And she sat there for hours upon hours. Mm. Oh, yeah. Whew. Now, House Rules Chairman Jim McGovern said on Tuesday, he ripped the Republican leader in the House. Kevin McCarthy is weak and cowardly for opposing this uh, commission. Quote, I think the only reasonable conclusion is he's afraid of Donald Trump and he doesn't want to offend him, doesn't want to get disinvited to Mar-a-Lago, but it's sad and pathetic. Now, I kind of agree, but I also would like to add he's afraid to testify. And, you know, what's really important to note is that, you know, we just learned that Republicans have told CNN that the reason they don't want to go through with this commission is because it will make them look bad for the midterm elections. They're such cowards. And we remember that phone call. Remember McCarthy called the former guy and was like, uh-huh. hey, you can stop this. Why aren't you stopping this? Yeah. And who the fuck do you think you're talking to and all that? But just in general now, they're you know whipping the Republicans in both the Senate and the House saying, hey, these findings will come out at the end of the year. That's too close to the next election. So basically they're saying, it's going to say a lot of bad stuff about Republicans in a year that we really want to win our elections. They care more about holding power, getting power, than they do about finding out the truth about what happened on January 6th. McConnell will never put country over party. He just won't do it. Nope. He won't. He's a coward. Speaking of Republicans in the House, they actually finished voting on Tuesday afternoon. A group of Republicans gathered on the floor, smiled, huddled for a selfie. None of them wore their masks. God, they're just really... They were among about a dozen Republican lawmakers who openly defied last week's decision by the House Speaker to keep a mask mandate on the House floor until all lawmakers and their staff are vaccinated. This seems like simple. Just just keep the mask on for a few more weeks, you assholes. Get vaccinated. Yeah, but they don't want to get vaccinated. Of course not. it'll look bad to Trump. Of course. Uh, even though he got vaccinated at the White House. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Now, three of those GOP lawmakers, Brian Mass from Florida, Miller Meeks from Iowa, a physician, and a physician, mind you, a physician, and Beth Van uh, Dwine from Texas. Uh, I don't know. You got me. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. There's probably a reason we don't know who she is. Um, Doy. Beth Van Doyne. Doy. Doyne. Duh. <laughs> Beth Van Duh. That's what we're going with. Duh. Uh, Face $500 fines for breaking the rules, and that's Capitol Officer told the Washington Post. All three were fine because this was the second time they defied the mass mandate while seven other Republicans were issued a first warning. Some of the Republicans, they're, they're fucking childish. I can't with the Twitter with these people. Some of Republicans boasted about the fines on Tuesday. I've been fined $500 by Speaker Pelosi for following CDC guidance that mass later tweeted. Uh, there was never, this was never about science. It's always been about power. No, it's about science. Well, A.G., that's the good old law and order party for you, isn't it? Mm. Not even listening to the Capitol officers. The seven GOP lawmakers given a first defense warning for not wearing a mask on the House floor on Tuesday 
is a who's who of the dumbest members of Congress <laughs> that includes Boebert, Massey, Miller, Green, along with Rep. Chip Roy, Texas, Bob Good from Virginia, and Rep. Lou Gomert, who also, I'm sorry, Lou or Gomert just does not sound like a man. <laughs> I just, I'm not going to just hold my tongue on that one, but he's mm. also from Texas. Gomert is probably the dumbest member of Congress. Thank you. He's just a, not a smart man. No, he My isn't. Goodness. And I don't even think he's pretending like, you know, someone no. like John Kennedy is pretending to be a good old Southern boy, but he's actually like yeah. a prep band over prep school guy. Now, before we go to break, a Michigan judge uh, Tuesday rejected an effort to force a new recount, a new audit of the 2020 election results in a county that has been central to false claims promoted by the former guy and his supporters that the election was stolen. Michigan Circuit Court Judge Kevin Elsenheimer dismissed the case brought by a voter in rural Antrim County who had argued material fraud or error uh, had taken place in the election. And he was entitled to a new audit of the results under state law. This case, the judge was like, nah, you're out. This case was one of the last challenges of the November election results. So, I mean, let it go, for God's sake. Talk about not (laughs) being able to move on from an election. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway, we'll be right back to discuss the new criminal element to the New York Attorney General's Trump Organization investigation with Congressional and White House reporter Andrew Feinberg. Everybody stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG, and today's episode of The Pod is brought to you by Upstart. If you dread looking at your credit card statement every month, I feel you. You are not the only one. And dealing with finances can be stressful, and the building pressure from putting it off can be overwhelming. But Upstart can lift that weight off your shoulders. They can finally feel the relief of being free of credit card debt. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, all online. Super simple. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple, fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. They look at your income and employment history, and so they they can offer a smarter rate with trusted partners. Within a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000, and you can receive funds as fast as one business day after the acceptance of your loan. After this past year, I know so many people struggling, so many people lived off their credit cards, and you know you make those minimum payments and you just can't dig out of that hole. So I highly recommend to everyone, check out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided on your loan application. So go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. As we have heard, if you, unless you live under a rock, New York Attorney General Letitia James, her investigation into the Trump Organization is now considered a criminal matter. Uh, James's office said that Tuesday night, noting that officials with the former president's company were recently apprised of the development. And we could tell sort of by Trump's uh, uh, response on his uh, really cool blog. And joining us today to discuss is Congressional and White House reporter Andrew Feinberg. Andrew, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I am really excited to talk to you. I know we've been uh, trying to get you on the show for a while now because you, you used to be in the in the press pool, right? Under the former guy. I did cover the former guy. That's true. <laughs> so you, you are familiar with his ways. Now, regarding this Tish James investigation, we know the Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance has been for years now investigating the Trump organization criminally. And uh, New York Attorney General uh, Tish James filed a civil suit against the Trump organization. But last night she told she announced to, to multiple news outlets and who have confirmed it. She had a spokesperson say it now has a criminal flavor to it. Uh, now, do you know if this criminal investigation replaces 
the civil investigation or do they kind of run in parallel? They can and apparently will uh, run in parallel. The New York uh, State Attorney General, uh, by and large, is not a uh, criminal prosecutor. Uh, But what the AG does have is the authority to use something called the Martin Act, which is a New York State anti-fraud law. It's uh, a very, very uh, expansive uh, anti-fraud measure. And the AG can use that in cases of things like securities fraud, but also uh, tax fraud and uh, real estate fraud. Uh, and, and I think it's this third piece, the real estate fraud, uh, that could potentially be what is being investigated here. And the district attorney for Manhattan, Cyrus Vance, has had uh, the former president's tax returns for some time now. And it's very possible that what Vance's people discovered uh, or may have discovered is something that could be prosecuted under the Martin Act. And that's something for which he would have to go to the attorney general. So if they're working together, there's a pretty good bet that uh, that's why. And the Martin Act, remind us, what uh, when Congress passed? Congress did not pass it. It uh, was passed by the New York State Legislature in, in the New 1920s. York State. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that has to do with the real estate fraud? General fraud, usually more uh, securities fraud. Uh, Elliot Spitzer uh, used it a great deal, uh, including uh, there was a 2000 early 2000s case uh, against, I think, Merrill Lynch and some some others. And he became pretty uh, well known for his his use of it to an extent that uh, some of his predecessors uh, did not. Uh, His successor, Eric Schneiderman, also uh, used it pretty aggressively. I think once, uh, I think recently against Exxon, or at least tried to use it against uh, ExxonMobil for misleading uh, folks about the risks of climate change. And so it's Mm. a very, very uh, broad uh, tool. I think the the, um, the scope of it is it prohibits um, any uh, deceitful practice or false promise uh, concerning uh, the sale or offer or purchase of uh, securities or commodities within or from uh, New York. And so this would uh, potentially apply to real estate. Yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting too, these restrictions that you're talking about, or not necessarily restrictions, but it's very rare for a district attorney to work with a, a, a state attorney general on a case. And, and uh, from my understanding, it is sort of restricted to those kinds of things, right? Martin Act, like you said, in New, the specific to New York State, uh, which, you know, or tax fraud, tax evasion, uh, I believe, and uh, real estate and, and bank fraud, right? So, I mean, we knew that Vance was already investigating that stuff, but to to seems like bringing the attorney general here, uh, I think that that sort of adds a dimension that 
we hadn't seen before. It does. Uh, it, it does. It what it most likely means is there's some there is something in there that uh, if you were a prosecutor in Cy Vance's office, you might look at this and say, "Wait a second, I think this may be something that could be charged, but we don't have the authority to charge it. Uh, we need to call the attorney general." And so there, I think that's mm. probably what has uh, transpired. Uh, it, I mean, it could be the other way around. Uh, the attorney general uh, in the course of her investigation may have discovered something uh, that she might feel would be better approached with the aid of um, DA Vance's office. Again, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not in New York and I'm frankly not uh, that well sourced within uh, either office. So I couldn't tell you that the TikTok of, of, how, of how the two offices linked up, but it, it does uh, signal an escalation. And because uh, the Martin Act allows for both civil and criminal penalties, uh, there could there could be a you know, parallel track going here, where that people uh, or the Trump organization could be charged criminally, and there could be a civil mm-hmm. suit. Yeah, and it's not an either or proposition. No, right, and and there are um, some documents that <laughs> that the the prosecutors recently got a hold of. And I have some questions about that, some thoughts on that. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Why not? (laughs) Thanks. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this Helping of the Beans is brought to you by Fiverr, connecting business with freelancers to change how the world works together. You know, it's my experience that managing a team and getting everyone on the same page can be extremely challenging, especially creatives, and especially when your freelancers go rogue. But Fiverr Business takes the stress out of group projects by making easy to find and manage top talent. With Fiverr Business, you get access to an all-star team of super freelancers, Uh, Plus, all the tools and support you need to easily integrate them into your existing workflow. So when it's time to nail your next big brand refresh, product launch, or investor pitch, you can feel confident with Fiverr covering all your bases. If you're hoping to grow your team and business, I highly recommend getting Fiverr Business's help. I've definitely found managing a growing business can get very complicated very fast. So I know for sure in my next project, I'm using Fiverr. Fiverr Business simplifies working with multiple freelancers and matches you with the best talent for every project. So stop wasting time searching for talent. Just leave it to Fiverr Business. No more endless guessing and interviews. Plus, save and share your favorite freelancers for future projects. It's a simple way to set your business up for success and vastly increase productivity. Collaborating online hasn't been this easy since, well, ever. And right now, you can sign up for Fiverr Business absolutely free for the first year. Get one free year and save 10% on your purchase of Fiverr Business with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. Just go to Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R dot com slash business. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS. Everybody, we're talking with Congressional White House reporter Andrew Feinberg. And before the break, I had mentioned that, you know, uh, Cy Vance's office had recently gotten some new documents. We know he's had the tax returns for a long time. He's had Deutsche Bank stuff for a long time. But what what's new is Mazars, the accounting firm for the Trump organization. And, and what's, you know, not necessarily too new is this trying to get Weisselberg to cooperate. And so my specific thoughts, especially since you, you know, team up on real estate fraud, we have the whole Seven Springs Estates which they took um, an easement credit on, which they probably shouldn't yeah. should not have because, uh, you know, just because you didn't develop the land, if you use it for private use, it doesn't count. It doesn't meet that burden for that kind of uh, write off. And we also know that Cohen had testified several times to him deflating his assets in order to avoid paying taxes on him. But I think, and I've said this before, what Mazars offers and the reason Vance stayed in it 
with the Mazars fight for so long is because Mazars wasn't just going to hand over his tax returns. They were going to hand over all sorts of accounting documents and financial documents. And I'm wondering, and of course, this is just speculation, but come along with me. If there isn't some sort of a document or documents within that trove or tranche of documents handed over by Mazars shared with the New York Attorney General by Cy Vance that shows that Trump was aware because, you know, a lot of CEOs avoid prosecution by saying, I don't do my own taxes. I don't know anything about that. You talk to my accountants, right? But maybe there's some sort of a documentation. If I were Mazars, if I were an accounting firm, I'd say, if you want us to take this deduction, you need to sign here releasing us of liability or something like that. And that's kind of what I'm wondering if the timing here with the Mazars handover, the documents, hiring that forensics accounting team that he did, the same one that Mueller hired to go through Manafort stuff, if that's not something that Mazars had is maybe helping trigger this change in the characterization of Tish James's investigation. I can only speculate, and, and I would rather not speculate. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can just what, you can just nod and say, "Huh, that's an interesting theory." Next question. That's different. right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what what I I can tell you is that the Mazar's documents do include both the actual returns, but also all of the. You know the the work product, the equivalent of your drawer full of W twos and gas receipts and you know meal receipts and and all those other things that you pull that you frantically pull together every year on like April thirteenth. Um, <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of that, but for the Trump organization, uh, it's it's not so much you know a, a desk drawer as it is boxes upon boxes upon boxes uh, for all of these different corporate entities because the Trump organization is actually a collection of all of these uh, smaller LLCs, limited liability corporations. And each of those has its own tax returns and and assets and and liabilities and, and things like that. So there are all these little pieces that can open uh, the former president up to um, liability and or his his children to liability <laughs> over the past few years because they've been the ones in charge. But if they're going back be- to before he was president, you can be pretty sure that he is the one who will ultimately be uh, responsible because he's the a lot of these corporations of uh, these LLCs. He's the sole member, or he and his children are the only members. There, it's not like a, a public corporation, a public company where uh, the CEO can't necessarily be held ah. viable in LLC, you know, it's limited liability, but that's you know, if you're being sued. If he's one of the members of the corporation, I believe he can be held responsible for what the corporation does. Right. And I and that brings me to another question that I have. I'm going to have to research this or maybe maybe a listener can let us know if the attorney general, New York State attorney general, can only indict a corporation or the organization or if, they, if she can indict individuals, too. I'm assuming she can indict individuals. And I'm also assuming... I believe it's both. Yeah, I'm also assuming she can make referrals to the feds if she, if she feels that she sees federal criminal... Because it's hard to, uh, you know, commit uh, state tax fraud and not federal tax fraud. So, you know, she might be able to send some of this over to the... Southern District. Usually, if you're doing one, you're probably doing the other. Yeah. But I mean, a, a referral. You know, people make people make referrals all the time. You know, Congress uh, makes criminal referrals 
for things all the time. Sometimes they're dubious. Sometimes they're not dubious. Uh, the question uh, there would be, is someone uh, at STNY or EDNY uh, or given the subject matter, uh, maybe someone higher up at Maine Justice, uh, is someone going to pick that referral up off their desk and say, hmm, okay, we should present this to a grand jury? That's going to be the question. Yeah, and that sort of would be... If there's anything there in the first place. Of course, right. That's speculative. But it it would be indicative of of this this Department of Justice, Merrick Garland's appetite to prosecute any of these cases. And, you know, we'll find out about the Bill Barr OLC memo, whether he's going to hand that off or not on Monday. That could give us a signal. Uh, uh, you know, there's a there's a plenty of good obstruction of justice charges just waiting in the wings. Maybe we'll see after McGahn does his closed door testimony with Congress. There's just so much going on now that we have a now that we have a new sheriff in town. Yeah, and and based on the former president's uh, most recent statement, he doesn't seem to be taking it well. Um, <laughs> there's, you know, it, it was like 16 paragraphs or something of. of uh, it was almost a, a mad lib. You could have filled, you could have probably filled in if, if you'd spent four years reading his tweets like I did. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's the, it's a witch hunt, you know, uh, just James, you know, said she was going to do this and this when she ran for office and it's unfair. And, uh, you know, they're, they're coming after, you know, not just me, but all the people who voted for me, which is ridiculous because the people, I can't speak for all the people who voted for him, but I'm pretty sure most of them, you know, haven't committed any kind of fraud, uh, <laughs> allegedly. So, so they're not actually going after anyone who voted for him, uh, unless maybe his family members voted for him and, and they're charged under something. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he, he said one thing in there that's, that's telling, and he alludes to the idea that this investigation is nothing but an, an attempt to uh, stifle a potential 2024 run. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've gone back and forth on whether I think he'll run again. I know um, Michael Cohen uh, has said that he won't. I know others have said he won't. And, and he's, of course, keeping his answers on that, on that question vague. You know, I, I think the fact that he is already trying to frame this investigation as a way to keep him from running again, I think makes his, his intention, at least uh, right now, pretty clear that he would like to run again. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a lot can happen between now and 2023 when he would probably declare I, I don't think he would make the same uh, mistake of declaring uh, filing an F1 too early and then running out of money right before the general election like he did last time uh, that was particularly uh, interesting to see because anyone who knows anything about camp fu- campaign finance could have told you that that was going to happen when he declared the day after he was inaugurated oh yeah I, I think there is a possibility that if he or his company face civil or, or criminal charges, it may actually force his hand and, and embolden him to run again uh, if he's at all on the fence. Uh, but I'm really not uh, in the business of predictions. Hmm. That's just my read on things. 
Yeah, it's hard to tell since he hasn't filed yet. And we know he's got some health issues. We think but... we don't know about the health issues. Oh, no. But maybe right. we'll find out. Well, he hasn't filed yet to run, right? Uh, no. Right. No. No one has filed to run yet, which is probably good because it's, you know, May 2021. Right. I was just thinking he filed the day he was inaugurated last time. So, but you're right. We, we just can't know and we'll have to wait it. We'll have to wait it out and see. So. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter, please. You can follow me at Andrew Feinberg. Awesome. I really appreciate your time today, everybody. White House and congressional reporter, former press pool for the former guy. Yikes. That must have been just a, so terrifying and painful, but I appreciate your service. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Andrew Feinberg. Anytime. Everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the show is brought to you by American Giant. Nowadays, so many products, including clothes, are mass-produced, they're made shoddily, they fall apart, they end up in landfills. It's not sustainable. We have to keep buying more stuff. It's not good. But if you look back at the craftsmanship of the past, you can see it wasn't always this way, and it doesn't have to be. Bayard Winthrop, who's the CEO and founder of American Giant, grew up with a sweatshirt from the 50s that his father gave him, and today it's still in his closet, and it still looks better than ever. With a durable sweatshirt, that particular one in mind, he launched American Giant with a classic full-zip hoodie as their flagship product. Aiming to revive local manufacturing and craft-quality clothing made to last a lifetime, American Giant believes clothes should be wearable for years so you don't buy more than you need. Slate Magazine calls it the greatest hoodie ever made. It's the classic full-zip hoodie, and it says, but there's really no comparison between American Giant's hoodie and the competition. It looks better and feels substantially more durable. When you wear this hoodie, you'll wonder why all other clothes aren't made this well. I have to agree. I have it myself. It's really incredible. It's got these incredible, like, like the reinforced elbows for wear. It's got the metal zipper and the metal little things on the end of the stringies. Oh my gosh, it's so well made. It's got good heft to it. I absolutely love it. It's 100% American made. And when I first tried it, like I said, I was so impressed. I agree. It is the best hoodie ever made. So get your classic full zip hoodie at American-Giant.com and use promo code DailyBeans, all one word, for 15% off your first order. That's 15% off when you use code DailyBeans at American-Giant.com. And today's episode is also brought to you by Made For. Really super incredible. You're tired of restarting your fitness goals. I mean, I failed so many times, but Made For helps you build lasting positive changes from the inside out so you can feel like your best self. Uh, if you've ever felt frustrated setting goals that you don't achieve, like me. It might be because you're working toward a fast solution or you're trying to take on too much at once. But Made For believes it's time to ditch the quick fixes for success and start playing the long game, right? This is the long game. Made For is a better way to create new habits that benefit your body and mind. Each month, you receive a kit with a 21-day challenge with one small action to do every day that's super easy and stress-free to integrate into your routine. There's no apps or screens or devices required. These simple tasks shift your mindset and behavior slowly over time, so you actually stick to your new habits long-term. Made For uses neuroscience and positive psychology to support positive habits. And, uh, you know, they do it around gratitude and mental clarity, mindfulness, movement, and so much more. So focus on one thing, one theme each month to help you achieve your fullest, happiest life over the course of 10 months. It's so easy and so amazing. The results are incredible. It's a wellness program you only have to do once. You can see results that last a lifetime. And with Made For right now, they're offering our listeners 15% off your order with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you order an intro box or the whole program. That's a great saving. So go to getmadefor.com and take control of your well-being and use promo code DAILYBEANS for 15% off. That's getmadefor.com and promo code DAILYBEANS. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. Right off the bat, adorable dog in a sweater. 
that I can see. Oh my see. God, just the cutest. Oh my gosh. And that's, this is from Diana. No pronouns given. Just a couple pictures of my pup in a sweater. Look at this baby. I mean, look at oh. the second one. Look at, look at the belly. belly. Oh, that's such a warm belly. All right. I'm going to do the next one here too. This is from Scottsdale. Bubby. Bubby is grandmother in Yiddish. It's yes, also it what RBG's grandchildren used to call her. Pronouns she and her. This, this is Scottsdale Bubby. Thank you for making my morning so interesting. I turned 79 last year, as was the case with me and my grandmother and mother. My son has no idea what to buy for me for my birthday, Hanukkah, or Mother's Day. In the past, I knew what I wanted or was happy with an Amazon gift certificate. One gets to be a certain age, and truly, one does not need one more piece of clothing, the latest version of technology to learn, or an item to gather dust or give to goodwill. This year, my son asked me if I would like a donation to a charity instead. Fabulous idea. So I told him about my donations in the past to Planned Parenthood. I made them anonymously in honor of a politician or public figure who is a creepy anti-choice, anti-Medicare for all troglodyte. PP being the gracious folks that they are, Planned Parenthood, are following their SOPs. We'll send a lovely card or letter to the honoree informing them of the generous donation in their name. My son thought it was a splendid idea and followed through with a generous check. I would like to recommend others adopt this strategy, but only if they're giving to progressive causes the politician is known to oppose. My husband, I want to know who it was now. My husband of 25 years and I don't have pets, but we have two fabulous grandchildren, twins, who are graduating from high school this year and are both starting university in the fall. I have to say something about their wonderful mother, my son's wife. They semi-fostered one of their daughter's school friends. DIL also helped a friend. Daughter-in-law also helped a friend with her college and financial applications after helping both her own children while holding down a full-time job as a CEO of their company. Wow. The friend received a full-ride financial aid grant to her first choice college. Nice. We are so blessed to have a family that is politically and socially enlightened and generous. Grandchildren photo, grandchild photo is attached. Oh, beautiful. Love the dress. Holy moly. I know, right? That is awesome. Nice tux too. These are handsome. This is a good looking family you got. Indeed. I love the idea. And it actually do, if you can donate. I know that there was this big push when uh, Pence was in there to (laughs) donate on his behalf and they'd sent him thank you cards. Mm-hmm. Hundreds upon hundreds. All right. This next one's from Molly. No pronouns given. Hi, ladies. As always, thank you for all you do. I wanted to share some good news from my community. About two years ago, maybe time has no meaning anymore. A group in town started a shared kitchen where local refugees and immigrants can share and sell their native cuisine. Oh my God. I need to know where this is. Every week, the kitchen posts the menus for the week and you can pre-order home-cooked foods from India, Pakistan, Mexico, just to name a few. Each chef hosts a day of the week and the chefs and menus rotate. It's truly a blessing to our community. Anyway, this past Thursday, they hosted a fundraiser selling Indian food and about 85% of the profits went to support COVID relief in India. So smart. Amazing. I'm happy to say that they raised over $12,000 in those few hours. It's truly great to see our small community come together and support others. The kitchen's called Feast World Kitchen, writing that down. And you can bet I will be ordering from them more often because not only are they awesome, the food is also amazing. For tax, I'm submitting photos of our sweet rescue dog, Sibby. Uh, we often find her sleeping in the weirdest places and positions <laughs> like this. And then there was that time we caught her chewing on a whole ash tree. Oh, to be a dog. Anyway, keep it real. Keep up the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big ass dog. That is so cute, though. She's adorable. Um, that's, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Full tree. Yep. Big old branch broke off. <laughs> That's so funny. It's fun when they walk around with that shit in their mouth, too, you know? I know. Happy dog. Yep. Here I am. Here's my tree. Want some tree? I got a tree. 
Um, all right. <laughs> this is so wonderful. Thank you for that. That dog looks so cuddly, too. I want pet. Looks soft. Looks big, soft dog. Uh, all right. Next up from Christopher. Pronouns he and him. Hello, Beans team. Confession from a forgetful listener. January 2021. I became a Patreon supporter. March 2021. Huh. I haven't heard an ad for a while. Despite the ad breaks. Hope they're still getting ad revenue. <laughs> <laughs> Late April 2021, accidentally downloaded from the main feed instead of the Patreon one. Ads? Oh, right. The Patreon feed doesn't include ads. Sometimes I'm so smart. Pet tax. (laughs) This little rooster was found wandering around a bridge construction site in the town where my brother-in-law was a police officer until recently. The chief called him because he knew I had chickens. I went over there with an old guinea pig cage and he showed me where the chicken was. He had been there for almost two weeks and the residents kept calling about him. Chicken emergency. One of the construction guys told me that a truckload of gravel had arrived from Indiana, PA, and this chicken had ridden the truck all the way there, <laughs> seventy miles. This sounds like a this sounds like a Gary Larson cartoon. Oh my god, this is fantastic! I spotted him under a van. I was able to flush him out, cornered him by a fence, and I could hear the construction people laughing, snickering, expecting a long chase. Like we need to hear the Rocky music in the background now. I took off my hat. Threw it left, and when the rooster ran right, I grabbed him. They were surprised. <laughs> I brought the youngster home, and he quickly settled into the flock. Based on where he came from, I named him Indy. Uh, he, he's become a beautiful, protective fellow, and he's a good chicken. Thank you for all the fantastic information. Keep up the great work. Look at this boy. Wow. <laughs> such a trip. <laughs> he got on a gravel truck from Pennsylvania. Good for him. Hitch and ride. I'm hitching a ride. woo my God, it's fantastic. All right. This next one is from Nate, pronoun she and her. Hi there, lovely beans, ladies. Hope you're doing great. Everyone has been sharing their vaccine stories, so I thought I'd pile on. My partner was able to get doses in April due to being diabetic and is now well past all clear. At the time of writing this, I had had my first jab 10 days ago. Gotta say, I thought the voice of Bill Gates telling me to bathe in the blood of the innocent and commit antitrust violations would be a bit harder to ignore. In all seriousness, though, no issues, and I can't wait to move past this pandemic. Pictures attached for what the mutt. I've sent in my girl Cola before, but now I'm genuinely curious if we can guess the mix. Her mom was full yellow lab, but I have no idea beyond that. Thanks for the care. I would say pit. Yeah, there's pity in there for sure. For sure. Super cute. I think it looks like a lab pit mix. What a honey. And then it's got kind of a beagle-y face, too, like a little beagle face. Could be. That second picture, though. Anyway. Oh. Oh, yes. The se- so. Oh, she looks totally different in the second picture. You're right. So cute. What a honey. Yeah, and those braided ropes are the best toys for tug of war, I have to say. Fantastic. All right, next up from Kirsten Z, pronounced Kirsten. Oh, I got it right. Uh, she, her pronouns. Good news. The PA primary was on May 18th, and one of the most competitive races here in a swing district, Bucks County, was the Democratic primary for county sheriff. The incumbent was a Democrat, but across the past four years, he's revealed himself to be a thin blue line, blue lives matter guy who it ends up had been recruited with no social media vetting for four years, years ago. It was really not great and said a lot of awful things. And it's proof of why we can't let the decisions be made in back rooms by old men who don't know what computers are. (laughs) In response to this, a coalition of progressive groups in the county recruited a great candidate, an experienced law enforcement officer of color who embraces progressive principles and helped him run a successful campaign against the incumbent. And the progressive challenger, Mark Lomax, won. And he won 80 to 20. At that. Wow. 
He will now face a Republican challenger who is so bad on immigration issues that The Daily Show came out to our county to mock him a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited about the future of progressive community-based policing here in Bucks County. And the whole situation was one more example of what happens when folks get involved and decide they want more from their elected officials. My pet tax is Honey, who I introduced you to a year ago when we adopted her. She's still camera shy, but I caught this shot of her snuggling with her favorite toy. Oh, oh my goodness. She is shy. Oh, camera shy dogs are the cutest. I love that. Just a little, just to pile on the good news up in Pennsylvania, Tyler Titus actually won his Democratic primary for the county executive. Now, the reason that this is historic is Tyler's the first trans man to win his Democratic primary out there for this position. So that's awesome. That's already history made. Hopefully he's able to win the election, but he's got the Democratic nomination. So congratulations, Tyler. Excellent. So many great candidates. And you know, if this all starts locally, man, it just all starts locally. So run. 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 Do it. Do it. (laughs) All right, everybody. uh, This has been wonderful. How was your show, Dana? By the way, It was great. Karen is just, she's a firecracker. You never know what to expect, but you know, she's been around for so many years and she was a trailblazer for so many Honestly, lesbian mm. comedians, you know, and as a woman of color, one of the she is probably the first black lesbian to perform publicly, like on a national stage. So awesome. Yeah. And thanks to everybody who showed up for that. Uh, it's just so good. And, you know, any final thoughts before we before we say goodbye? No, until, tomorrow? until well, I won't be here tomorrow. I won't be with you tomorrow. So I will be back in your ears Monday morning. Yes, indeed. We'll see Amy Carrero tomorrow. Amy's court. If you have anything you want to submit, if you have any disputes you want settled. Do it. Let us know. You can send everything into dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That goes for any of these submissions. We love getting them. Thank you so much, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. So weird. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.